Amen to what was shared this morning. I really enjoyed the devotional and the Sunday school. And uh, I joined in the chorus that said we had a good time in the frolic, at the frolic. I just, I thought too, it was uh, just amazing to see 30 men working together like a Swiss clock. And it didn't matter how tall or how short we were. It just, kept going the same way, and I thought the men really did it, and I thought Jesse and the girls did good too, I'm not just saying, (laughs) (laughs) Linwood was serving double duty, he had to keep Jesse inspired, and so uh, special thanks to Linwood also for for that. Somebody in the community, Mel Koblenz, I believe, used to say, he does the work of two men, but it takes three men to get him going. And I appreciated that thought. We all got each other going. And I just really, boy, if we can work together like that in church, boy, what could be accomplished? Ah, it was just a blessing. A neighbor of Taylor's when they were moving out was in the upstairs window peeping out behind the curtain and their comment to a friend of mine from town there was, ladies with mops just kept coming. <laughs> and um, uh, I, I like the idea, whoever's it was, that uh, to grab a hold there more often rather than a Wednesday evening service or what. <laughs> Politics. Uh, wasn't it shrill again this week out there? And uh, humility is such a rare thing in our political climate of today. And I thought again of Jimmy Carter. Here he is in his 90s. He lives in a house that's $167,000, two-bedroom in Plains, Georgia. He teaches Sunday school. Wendell was down there in business, and they went over to his church. And Jimmy Carter taught the Sunday school. He cooks his, they, they cook their own meals, and they wash all their dishes by hand. And they eat more, a bulk more of their meals at home. They, they eat out once in a while. And it takes just a little bit from your tax dollars to keep him going. Where uh, from Bush and Clinton and Obama, it takes millions to keep him going. They all do speeches that pay them quite a bit of money. And Jimmy Carter, instead of speeches, volunteers at Habitat for Humanity and builds people houses. Uh, faith builder for me. And I don't want this to be a hobby horse, but in the climate that we're living in, I'd like to say it again, because I would like to influence you. A heated political argument from a Christian is like a fish out of water. And I just, I think uh, we need to remind each other about that because you could get mad at some of this stuff and you could get going. But it wasn't, it isn't what we were called for. We were called, we were all called for, but I thank God that we weren't called to fix what's wrong with the government. Uh, it's, it's, it would be a hard job. And there's so many stories to it and so forth. And, and again, I don't, I, I know I, I harp on this. Once in a while, but uh, is it still true 
that a house divided against itself can't stand. Uh, Jesus said those words when he was when they were accusing him. Well, the power you're getting is from Satan, and he said, "No, a kingdom divided." And he goes on in some of the scriptures to say, "A kingdom or a town or a family that's splintered by fighting won't stand." And we can add a church and a business, and uh, it's still true today. Together we stand and. And divided we fall. One more story here. Um, there's a gentleman was in jail from New York, and he was in Attica, I believe it is, prison for 27 years, or almost 27 years, and he got out a couple weeks ago. He was in for a murder that he didn't commit, but the police did a little bit of bad police work, and the DA at that time didn't feel like backing up, and there was a person admitted to the crime, and he said he never did it, and um, it was, uh, he started drawing, because that's what he was good at, and the warden came by one time, and he said, what are you drawing? And he said, well, I, I just enjoy drawing, and he said, well, I go golfing. I wonder if you bring me a picture. Can you draw a golf course? And uh, all the trees and nice path and everything. And he said, yeah, I'll do that. So he brought him a picture and this here guy drew a golf course. And then through that, others asked him to do it. And through that, a golf magazine uh, ran an article on it. And then his name is Valentine. Valentine Dixon and it drew a little bit of attention and there was a people said let's check into this but it took five years but a couple weeks ago he walked out a free man his daughter was six month old when he went in there and and now she was through college and so forth his testimony is what caught my eye uh, he thanked different people in an emotional meeting with his family. Uh, but he said, God saw me through. Uh, he said, every time it would get rough and I'd wonder, is this ever going to happen? He said, there, God would send some kind of a verse or a sign or something, and he'd always pick me up. And he said, it never, I never doubted this day would come when I'd walk out of prison, because whenever I'd get down, God would would help me out but he said uh, I appreciate everybody that played a part but uh, God kept me going kept me safe in there and got me out of prison uh, and I really was <coughs> was kind of a faith builder he wasn't bitter he doesn't plan to sue he doesn't plan to get a bunch of money I don't know if that will continue or if some attorney will get a hold of him but I was after 27 years if you take 27 years of my life, I think I'd be disgruntled about it there. But he had such a beautiful attitude. Elby and I were with a friend this week, and uh, he was telling us of his friend who's dying of stomach cancer. Uh, Bill was telling us about this here. I was asking him about it. And he told us, his friend's trying to make it till October 1st. 
Uh, he knows he won't be around long, but he's he's hoping. He's they're doing what they can, but hospice is involved, and he's he's trying to make it till October first. And the question, my my thoughts this morning are on the word distractions. And my question to us this morning is if. If you knew that you had till October 1st, if you were trying to make it to October 1st, how would that change your schedule this coming week? What, what would you do different if you, if that were a reality in your life? And as you work through that process, is there something that you ought to act like October 1st is the, is the deadline? Um, we all have an expiration date. I, Ruthie's in Pennsylvania, so I went through the refrigerator and was looking at expiration dates, and I got involved there. I didn't know some creamer can last two or three years and not climb out of the refrigerator on, on its own. <laughs> don't, tell, don't tell Ruthie. Uh, but we all have an expiration date. And when you're, when you guys front here, you know, you're thinking this message, this thought isn't for me. He keeps harping on we're all getting old and we're going to die soon. And you feel bulletproof when, when you're this age. But already when you're in your 30s and 40s, you're thinking, wow, when did that happen? That was fast. Here I am. I used to be young married, young. Now all of a sudden, I'm sitting more in the middle of the church there. When did that happen? And uh, the thought that I have in my mind today is focus. Um, with, with that in mind that we have till October 1st. Uh, we're going to try to make it till October 1st. Uh, with that in mind, what do you want to get done yet? Did you do all the important stuff in your, in your life so far? I mean... Is there anything that you live for? Uh, what makes you tick? Are the, the poets, the songs said about dying with the gift still inside you? You have some things that you could contribute in the lineup of passing wood in or whatever it is. <clears throat> Remember when Prince Diana died? Uh, that their guy changed that song, but that song was touching to me. Uh, it seems to me you lived your life like a candle in the wind, never knowing who to cling to when the rain set in. <clears throat> I would have liked to known you, but I was just a kid. Your candle burned out long before your legend ever did. Or... In the political scene, I was thinking about this. You know, I look at how crazy it is today, and I think, I think it's crazier than ever. But it was back in my day, too. So I got to thinking of John Kennedy, Martin Luther King, and Robert Kennedy, assassinated in a short time. And a lot of you don't remember that. But that's burned on our, us older guys remember where we were when we heard that John F. Kennedy, a president, got shot. A lot of us remember where we were. But there was a song 
Some preach wrong, some preach right, some preach love, and some preach fight. Takes every kind to make the world go round, but it takes only one to gotten you down. Goodbye, Martin. Six white horses came to take you home. Goodbye, Reverend. They took you away before you sang your song. And the final phrase in that says, Goodbye, John. Goodbye, Martin. Goodbye, Bobby. Bobby Kennedy. They took you away before you sang your song. My question to you is, if you have till October 1st, what do you want to accomplish yet? And how's that going to change your schedule this afternoon? Focus. Without a plan in life, or without a a plan at work, or without a, a, a plan, it's so easy to get sidetracked and distracted. If you don't care where you end up at, any road will take you there, is an old saying. It's so true. If you're just hitting the road once and you really don't care where you're going in life, Everything you experience in life is a direct result of your focus, or what your focus is in life. Without a plan and without a focus, it's really easy to get distracted. The only thing that you can control in your life is, is focus. And, and what, what is your focus? What do you care about? What, what makes you cry? What, what do you really care about? If you, if you would show me your daily routine, I could pretty accurately predict where you're going to be in ten years. Success or failure often doesn't happen in a day. But if, you, if I know your routine, then I know your focus and where you're heading in life. If I know what makes you tick and what you concentrate on and what you put your energies in and what you spend your money on and what you spend your time on, it's a, a really, really good prediction of where you're going to be in 10 years. If you're thinking about getting married and you... You don't know if it's the right one or that type of thing. Look at their, look at their daily routine right now and you can accurately predict where they're going to be in 10 years. Routine, your routine tells where you're headed. Success and failure doesn't happen today. It just happens because of what you focus on and what you're looking at. And we get distracted from our focus. Uh, even all of us, uh, you have good goals, you have good aspirations, you have a good uh, direction that you're, you're headed for, but we get distracted, and then sometimes in that distraction, we waver a little bit and get off the side of the road. I was in New York City with uh, Gerald, and we were heading in Times Square, and we were passing out tracks, but we were heading from one place to another place, and a few of us were walking, but the sidewalk was that full that it was, it was full. All of a sudden, there was a noise in front of us, and I was following this gentleman, uh, an older guy, 
And just like that, there was a noise over here, and we kind of looked over there, but since I was right behind it, there's a guy jumped in front of me and grabbed the guy's wallet. A tourist, this older guy, had a fat wallet. He grabbed his wallet, and he was off to the side. It happened by design, right where there was a subway entrance. He went down the subway entrance, and this guy turned around and looked at me, and he said, and then he saw the guy fleeing, and he said, he just he just took my wallet. Hey! And he turned around. But right before that happened, there was a, a bunch of noise over here. Somebody pushed somebody else, and there was a distraction over here. And they got his wallet, and he disappeared, and that was it. I mean, the, the guy was out, his wallet, and what, el- what all was in it. But that distraction helped them pull off. And we're, we're all distracted so often. And we're often distracted by our cell phones and, and things like that. But if I can distract you, I can control to some extent, what you do. Um, I have a message that distracted me there just for a second. Ruthie's praying for me, so we have, we have that going for you. You know, you have an icon down on the right-hand corner. How many have your cell phones on you? Raise your hand there. What is the lower right icon on your phone with before you look do you know what it is don't tell me just guess now look at your phone and see if you were right if you have your phone with you look at that icon guess what it is and see if you were right anybody anybody right We have a couple that were right. Now, as you open your phone, every time a clock comes up, what time did it say? Oh, okay. Usually every time, and when you do that, people look at the clock when they open it, but they're distracted because there's a little guy in your mind, when you ask him a question, he goes to get the information out of a file. And in the meantime, you're distracted. So like, everyone close your eyes just for a minute, if you will. Everyone close your eyes. Now I want you to think, what color was Todd Todd Miller's shirt when he got up this morning? Say it to yourself there. Now you can open your eyes. How many were right? A couple were right. How many didn't know? How many were wrong? A couple were wrong. <laughs> when, I can, when you can distract somebody, you can control them. Sometimes you can control what they're thinking. But when you can get them distracted, like if I'm driving on the road and a text goes off, if I look at that phone, it's controlling me. It's... it's uh, and, and and you can easy waver and and get the side. Now, 
if someone, if you can control, if you can distract somebody and control their thinking or control their actions or control their mind, if you could do that, what would you do with their mind? If you could control somebody's thinking or control somebody's mind, what would you do with it? And another question is, what would a politician do with it if through drama and shrillness they could control your thinking and have you pay attention? What would a pickpocket do? What would Hollywood do? Or what would the gaming industry do if they could control your mind, distract you, and if they can control your mind? What would Satan do? Do you think Satan wants to distract you? I really believe he does. I, uh, God, uh, Jesus says he, he wants you, how does he say that? To, to sift you like wheat. Is there another thought in there? But uh, Satan desires to have you. In that, in that there ja- chapter that Ben read, just before that, you have Satan coming beside, uh, beside this here priest, and he's ac- uh, giving accusations, and the Lord says, I don't want to, but uh, I don't want to hear it. But Satan wants to distract every one of us. He really, really wants to distract us. You may have good thoughts, you may have good goals, you may have good intentions, but it's going to take concentration and it's going to take focus for you to remain a Christian in these last days. You're going to have to really try. You're going to have to realize that, you know, there's nothing wrong with a hockey game and, and a baseball game and I think that sometimes our, our, our baseball games and those kind of things do what happened Wednesday night. They build team and they draw us together. But Satan takes good things, absolutely good things, and he, he makes them into a distraction. He tries to use them, overuse them, or whatever it is in your life. You know, when you have a, when you have a couple of children... And there's a scrap, they're little ones and uh, toddlers and a fight breaks out. Uh, they're fighting over one toy. They all want one toy. The mom then soon gives the other one something to distract him. And then he'll be satisfied. And it isn't long until the big sister learns how to distract. If she wants something the little one has... She'll get something and give it to him. We learn to distract pretty easy. Well, Satan's the distractor. He, he, just, he just loves. And we all have a job to do. We all have a life to live. And it's, if we can put our Christian life like a boss, like the, where I work, I'm expected to do something. And there's some things that I'm expected to accomplish. And if I'd say, you know... My friend came by and we went fishing and I did not get to that. That would only last so long. But that's what Satan tries to do with us as as Christians. And Satan knows every one of you intimately. He knows your life. He knows your weaknesses. And he knows the best way to distract every one of you. He knows that. 
For some of you, it's worry or anxiety. Uh, I think a lot of us have a trouble with worry or anxiety. or And I, I, it's kind of a Mennonite PTSD or, or, uh, or in our circles. You know, post-drama stress order is a serious uh, thing where it's de- it can be dehabilitating and it can be after like a serious accident or something like that. We have a friend whose daughter was in the Mideast. She's in her 20s. And I, I might have talked about her before, but she has it. And they were out at the casino here a little bit ago, and a table fell over, or a chair or something crashed, and all of a sudden she was in under the table just shaking. Uh, she just worried about it. Well, a lot of us aren't, don't have the level of anxiety or stress. I was reading a, a news article of a guy this week. He was on a bridge down in Florida, one of them long, flat bridges. And his whole intent there, he, he was back from the war and he had this anxiety. And his whole intent was to run into the bridge. And the reason he was on the bridge and the reason he was traveling at a high rate of speed was to run into the bridge pillar. But somehow either by the Lord or the strength that he's, he, he it took everything inside him not to follow through on it. And, and he didn't, he didn't do it. But Satan knows that is, if he can distract you in your Christian life with worry, and you're worried about good things, what's going to happen, you're thinking? You're worried about good solid things. Your concern is in the wrong, right place, but your worry isn't. It'll discourage you and distract you, and it'll hinder your Christian life. But it's a distraction that Satan uses on a lot of you. But you, uh, you know, Jesus says, you know, you don't do good being preoccupied about where your food and raiment and all that's going to come from there. And he reminds us that God is able and that we can trust him. We can have faith in him, but you're awake at three o'clock at night. And you're not leaving it in his hands. And, 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 uh, it can be a distraction to your Christian life. And it can get you to discourage when you should be encouraged. Also, all too quickly, uh, he says in Mark, Mark 19, all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, and the desire of things. So no fruit is produced. Some of you, it's lust. You're distracted easily by lust. David was. King David was distracted with Bathsheba. And Satan still uses it as a tool for many, many men today. And it takes away from what God designed you and why you're here. It takes away from your job. It's a distraction. It takes away from your focus. Everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. I like the way uh, Jerry is not here again this morning, but the last time I took him home, we chatted a little bit on the way home there. And he said, he looks at things, and he has a simple way of putting things, and I'm amazed. He said, he looks at things that you can see and touch and feel 
has all things that are going away. And he looks at things that you can't see and touch and feel like heaven that are all things that are worth striving for. Anything in his mind as he thought through it, he was a little discouraged reading through the Old Testament. He, he, did, he was very discouraged by some of the things in the Old Testament, but in his mind, one of the things that was encouraging, and he sat in the Sunday school lesson and he got a lot out of the Sunday school lesson, and he's saying, I get that, I agree with that, and, and this kind of thing. But uh, I thought that's a simple, a simple thought, but it was helpful to me. Selfishness, self-seeking, self-serving is a a distraction that we all fight against. All of us are more worried about ourselves sometimes. And, and you know, we have it so good. All of us here. We, 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 we have so much to be thankful for. But we can get our eyes off of that and we can say, my life is in shambles and I have it so rough. And I just can't take it anymore. But if we step back and see what God did for us, and see the reality of the freedoms that we have, and the church group that we have, and the school that we have. And, you know, Ruthie and I were opening at the fair early one morning. And uh, we tried to get there and wipe the chairs down and, and stuff like that there. And then there was a commotion early in the morning up on the front porch, and Ruthie went over to see what she could do, you know, see what she could help. Here there was an adult Down syndrome, and their older, her older parents were with her. And um, they, they were trying to quiet her down. And she said, that the parents said, you know, um, she gets these anxiety attacks, and we have to help calm her down there. And so they were sitting in the front porch, and this child, middle-aged child, was wailing. And they were just working with her in a calm way. And as I was around there, all of a sudden, I got onions in my eyes, and I had to take a circle behind the shed there. Because I thought, you know, we complain about our lives. And here these people are, old people... And they have a real responsibility on their hand. And we don't need to look around far with, to see somebody that has a health issue. An article in last week's uh, news was just a touching article. There was an 88-year-old man, and he was waiting for his Down syndrome son, who was apart for the first time for a week. For the first time in his life, the child was 52 years old or something like that there. A little odd-shaped gentleman coming down off of the escalator in the airport. They were apart for a week because someone had bought him a ticket to see his favorite baseball player. And his sister took him to see this here uh, uh, professional baseball player. But it took him... The, the, the time took him a week. So he came down off of the escalator and his 88-year-old dad was standing there beside, kind of out of the way beside the escalator. And this 52-year-old little guy came down there 
and he missed his dad so bad. He was apart for the first time in his life for a week. He just went up and he hugged his dad, buried his face, and he was about half as tall as his dad was. Buried his face in his uh, chest, and and you could see the love flowing out of the news article. And he grabbed his dad by the face, and he was telling him how much he missed him, how much he missed him. Self-centeredness is a way that Satan distracts us from what our real journey is. Anger is a distraction. Jealousy is a distraction. A distraction has a purpose. The distraction's purpose is to keep you from your purpose. And so whatever it is, in closing, Romans 12 says, let's lay aside every weight and the distractions and the sin that does so easily beset us. And that their song that we sing, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing, has this word that I, I often think of this phrase, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. I just love that phrase. You just, but we get distracted a little bit. Uh, and then it controls how we think. This year, uh, this week, a girl down, a 17 year old girl down in Minneapolis got charged. Um, she got charged for criminal vehicular homicide, homicide murder. So she's going down for a while there. Uh, she got a text and glanced at the text. And she swerved, uh, she went over there and she ran into Stephen and his wife Marilyn. Uh, they're from Blaine. And, well, they actually live, they work in Blaine, they live in Ham Lake area. <coughs> Killed them both. Uh, and uh, why she did it is she was distracted just for a little bit. And she, and if, if you put it with this, now, uh, how many people here have a cell phone and either looked at a text or send a text sometime in their life? Keep your hands up just for a minute. Uh, and how many will never do it again? Huh? I wonder. <laughs> I figured all the hands would stay up. In, 19, uh, in 2016, 3,450 people in the United States were killed as a result of a distracted driver getting a text. But 391,000, almost 400,000, now these are a year old, these statistics, almost 400,000 had accidents where somebody got hurt. Not just an accident. They didn't just roll their car. But almost 400,000 people uh, got accidents. How many of us text and drive? Texting and driving has its... Has it, it's, it's, it's not wise. And it has its repercussions. It can have serious re- repercussions. 
If you sometimes you're following a truck or something and he's going straight for mile after mile after mile and all of a sudden he'll be I don't know if he's reaching for his pretzels over on the other side of the or if he's texting, but oftentimes they're texting. And you can decide to not to or you can decide to text. I think sometimes they're going to solve that problem with technology because of how often it's hap- happening. But how many of us does Satan distract with worry, anxiety, anger, wealth, lust, sports, gaming, politics? You, I can't do everything for you. I can put food in front of it. You have to chew it. You come up with your own list of what Satan, where your weakness is, where Satan can distract you. Listen, we have to stay in our lane. We really do. Bible says, turn neither right to the left. Stop being distracted by Satan and live the full and abundant life that God has planned for you. Don't be distracted and don't die with your gift still inside you. Let's kneel for prayer. Lord, please help each of us to stay focused. Give us the wisdom to overcome the particular distractions Satan uses against us. Help each one of us to be alert and aware of our own weaknesses. Place within us the desire for righteousness. And show us how to how we can help each other to overcome and help each of us to help one another and overcome Satan's distractions. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, Claire, for sharing this morning. It's a challenge to be here. I'll share a brief testimony in a bit. But, um, after I share a testimony, if I could hear a thought, if you have one from Austin, maybe, and Stan, um, you could share a thought um, after, or bear testimony, or however you want to say it. Um, Joshua, though, says, turn not from the right.